the first episode of the false neutral for the new year 2017 and our first time getting together for uh over a month yeah so uh my co-hosts garrett and eric are with me and joining us this week is our special guest in front of the podcast and uh are you are you co-host or primary host how do you describe your role at camden tubbed you're you're brad and i have a shared custody of the primary host role (laughs) so i get it on weekends and holidays which is a sweet deal and he gets it during the week because it works out better with his schedule than mine but 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 you are an eponymous host you are the cam of camd and tubbed yeah i suppose my name comes first so Okay, that's, so that's true, but it was uh, Brad's idea in the beginning, I believe. Yes, a a fellow member of the the Leviathan, which is the Hooniverse Podcast Network. We're like uh, we're like the CW of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand to watch another podcast that's not on the WB. Um, <laughs> What do you guys do over over your holiday break? I did absolutely nothing. You installed an well, Ethernet cable. I didn't. Well, you know what? That's even giving me too much credit because I had grand visions of getting an Ethernet cable installed. And so I didn't do that. But I did run one from my modem straight down the hallway to my computer for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> then when I'm done, I'll coil it back up and put it on the list of things to do over the weekend and then still probably never do it. But uh, but it's plugged in and it's working. Um, I uh, just because I had a really busy school quarter um, that I finished in mid-December. I have really just taken it easy. That and we have a son that's due January 10th, our second son. And so, oh, congratulations. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, just kind of like winding down and like absorbing the sleep that I can. I'm preparing mentally <laughs> and emotionally for, for that, you know, because um, we have a two-year-old son right now and I thought I was prepared for having a son until he came and I realized that everything that I love to do, I couldn't do. But now that he's two, I'm able to do a lot with him and I've like kind of regained some sanity back. But now, cause I know what's coming cause I've done it once. Uh, I'm just like mentally preparing for not being able to do anything for the next year, year and a half. So, uh, yeah. So just, uh, doing that, I put a new headlight bulb in one of my motorcycles and that's about the only motorcycle related thing that I did over break. So what about you guys? I, uh, I looked at the package multiple times with the brand new points for my XS 400. Yeah. But the fact that we had, you know, 10 inches of snow and then, you know, it kind of melted, but then it was below zero and, eh, yeah. you know, you know, not much yeah. <laughs> motorcycle wise, not much. Uh, I mostly did house stuff, replaced a toilet and found out that 
the flooring under the tiles was water damaged, so I ended up retiling part of the bathroom and uh, stuff like that. And in doing so, m- my 25, 30-year-old uh, bottom-of-the-line Dremel tool uh, finally gave up the ghost. And uh, my- you a nice wireless lithium one? No, my wife and mother-in-law bought me one of the top-of-the-line foot pedal uh, flex shaft Primo Dremel tools. So I now have a really nice grinding tool that I have. Is it cordless or corded, Pete? No, it's it's the kind where you hang up the motor unit and it's got the flex shaft that comes from the high torque motor. Oh, 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 wow. Yeah, so, and it's got the foot pedal to control the RPMs on it, so I'm, I'm I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, but uh, that that's going to happen soon. It's just been very busy, and uh, you know how Brad, like his whole world revolves around Porsches, and yet he can find so many things to complain about them. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm kind of like that in work right now. My work has devolved into just simply being an Adobe Creative Suite end user is. A hundred percent of my job, and I just spent the entire day cursing at uh, Adobe for what I went through today at work. So I've been I've been busy at work this week and haven't had a chance to play with any of my any of my toys. I I, I think also, I know how you feel because Brad is my best friend, and I podcast with him. We have two episodes a week now, and I spend most of my day talking to him, and then the rest of the time I feel like I spend complaining about him. So <laughs> 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 I'm kidding, Brad. There's nothing to complain about. You're a great friend. Brad sent me a uh, he sent me a Christmas card and everything. First piece of mail I got at the new house was from Brad. Very cool. Cam, are, are you uh, you and Brad? Do you live in the same town, or are you? No, uh, we live on okay. op- most almost opposite ends of the country. He lives in Reno, Nevada, and I am now in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, which is kind oh, of like okay. an Akron suburb. Okay. So insert uh, Pretenders lyrics here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Chrissy Hine grew up here. Um, I live here, so you know, there's two Cuyahoga Falls celebrities for you. So. Right. <laughs> I spent a summer in Avon Lake, so I vaguely know the area. Avon, Avon is money. I have uh, friends that live in Avon. I have a friend that lives in Avon that was impressed that I was moving to Cuyahoga Falls, and it made me puff out my chest a little bit and feel <laughs> fancy for a minute. Eric, did you get the chance to test out that formatic Mercedes in the snow? Um, briefly. Yeah. I, I ended up having press cars through most of it, although I did have to use it because one of the press cars I had was a, a Lexus IS200T uh, rear-wheel drive, which came on all some not not just all-season tires, but summer all-season tires. Yeah. So I put up a review earlier, somewhere over the weekend, I think I finally finished it, and it shows me like trying to go down um, Woodward Avenue, which is like four and five lanes each way. It's, it's like surface street, whatever. Um, and there's people going by me at like 25, 30 miles an hour and I'm struggling to do five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. Did it at least have a locker, Eric? Did it at least have a locking diff or no, 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 no. Um, or maybe, I don't know. I, when I, uh, when I turned off all the traction control and snow controls to try and actually go somewhere, cause I literally, you, you would 
actually when you hit the gas pedal even at five percent it would just flash traction control and you wouldn't go anywhere because the traction control was just like taking over um so i looked like steve kinzer going up going straight up the road because i was literally at 45 (laughs) and 50 degrees of of angle (laughs) going straight and everyone's like oh it was it was ugly it's actually it was actually scary i would like outright scary we got uh just a tiny amount of snow here you know in portland we're at like 200 feet elevation and we have the relatively warm pacific ocean near us and so we just never get snow um but here recently we got about a half an inch and the entire city shut down uh so what would normally be like a 45 minute commute from port and this like rush hour 45 minutes um from portland to vancouver um people after seven hours ended up like abandoning their cars on the freeway because (laughs) like they, they were sitting there until their vehicles ran out of gas, hadn't like couldn't do anything, and then walked home, and and that was wow. kid you not a half an inch of snow. So. <laughs> wow, not where do you live, Garrett? Portland, Oregon. Okay, I yeah. say I, I heard similar stories about rain in California, and I'm like, and that state wants to leave. Yeah, <laughs> right. You can't even handle an inch of rain. Yeah. I can understand though, and like some of um, I can understand like uh, along the coast having issues though with snow and rain because i don't think your roads are built to drain the same way ours are so like rain can be really really deadly if you live in a place that hardly gets any rain and then all of a sudden yeah. it gets a ton because it doesn't have anywhere to go yeah, i know and I, we i know out we, in california the issue is that because it never rains you get all the crap on the roads over months and mm-hmm. months and then when it does it all comes up and makes everything really really greasy really greasy yep there's no infrastructure here for snow. So when it gets a half an inch, like we don't ice or uh, salt the roads or anything. We don't even really have very many plows because we never get snow. So a half an inch, yeah, it just a shuts half it inch down. is this much. Like you can drive yeah. through that in like a car. Like yeah. I bought, Tell that I to bought the people. <laughs> when I was living in the snow belt, like uh, in Ohio, there's an area called the snow belt that's kind of right off the lake. You get lake effect snow. It's really intense. Like even just moving an hour south of that, I, I notice how much milder the winters have become these last two years. And uh, I bought my Mustang Cobra on the 28th of December. And I drove it the day I bought it before I washed it and put it away. And uh, I drove it through probably what was about a half inch, inch of snow that day. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, it's certainly possible. I think what happens here is um, in a, a lot of newer cars, especially with traction control, they go just fine in the snow. But when you go to turn or put on the brakes, it doesn't behave like you you think it's going to. And then one person will crash and then everybody crashes into that one person. And then it's just a complete chaos after that. And so it really only takes a few accidents and then traffic is just completely right. ruined. I, I think some of it is people who don't have experience in the snow do one of two things. Either they freak out and they drive 20 miles an hour or they think, oh, this is nothing. I know how to handle this. And they drive 70. Mm-hmm. So you have a huge disparity in closing distances between cars. And I think that's why you get a lot of wrecks in those kind of situations is because everybody's going at different speed because they don't have a perception of what's safe and what's not. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the, to me. the interesting thing was last week, what was it, Cam? Like Thursday, Friday last week, it got really warm for one day. Yeah, it did. It was nice. I was able to, that was one of the days I was moving and that was a really, really nice. I was like, I was, I would go in the house, I would get a box, I would come back out or a box or like a piece of furniture or something. And I'd go back in and I'd remove an article of clothing and then I'd go back in and out 
And then at some point I realized that I had been moving boxes for like 15, 20 minutes in a t-shirt. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. this it, shouldn't be, this shouldn't be happening at the very, very end of the ass end of December. Yeah, it happens every year or so, but yeah, so it was like 54 degrees or something. And so of course everyone, and because auto industry pretty much shuts down between Christmas and new year's takes the whole week off. Like everyone with a motorcycle, not everyone, but I would say like 30% of the people with motorcycles were out riding that day because it was, you know, they're not working and it was in the 50s. The roads were still covered with salt and garbage and everything else, but hey, why not? Right, right. Since we're talking about autos, I forgot to mention, and don't judge me for this, but I bought a Mini Cooper Clubman S. Or we judge Uh, you for that. That's a fantastic car. Okay. As as long as you sell it before 60,000 miles. Um, yeah, we'll see. So, <laughs> so here's the story on this. Okay, car. Mercedes boy. I, I, uh, real quick, I, I just got to back up here. A couple months ago, Eric asked me about advice about a BMW wagon with mm-hmm. a normally aspirated inline six. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> and I said no, because I didn't realize at the time he had an old Mercedes wagon. That is no, literally I had, I the only I thing that is worse. I hadn't bought it yet. <laughs> so wait, so yeah, you he, took... You, he gave you that advice and then went out and bought a, a You went out of your way to buy something worse. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I had, well, you know, like, I had advice some experience with people. Mercedes before, I, so I will say though that because the 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 resale value on those is so low, you can get them super reasonable. And if it does have a problem, at least you're not the original purchaser that paid sixty for it. You no, know, you just so pay like the same parts and labor as the original purchaser who paid sixty four. Yeah, the good maybe, news is, I mean, but you you might be able to get you know twenty, thirty, forty thousand miles out of it. Maybe not. The, I don't know. The but. good news for for both of you guys is that I happen to uh, work for a certain multi million dollar uh, e commerce company that handles all of the uh, all of the German cars. So if you need anything, I can help you guys out. Replacing Eric, the I was antique? able to get you some. Yeah. Some, the the chain and the sensors, yes. I don't know if I want to tackle that one by myself. The intake, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I could do that one. But uh, yeah, find it, find an indie for your for your timing service. Trust me. Yeah, on this one. I'm I'm shopping that one as soon as I have time, probably after the auto show next week. So yeah, well, so as far as the mini goes, I was actually looking for a Subaru Outback uh, with a three liter motor, like a 2006 to 2000 in Portland. And so they're probably pretty hard to find. Well, they're easy. (laughs) Well, they're easy to find. People want double or more of what book value is. (laughs) Yeah. I kid you not. But, and, and so I wanted a super specific, um, an Outback wagon with a three liter limited trim. Um, and those ones are a little bit hard to find. And, and so I was primarily looking for a four door four seat car because currently, I'm driving a, a 88 Toyota turbo pickup uh, with only just a driver and a passenger seat. And that's just not going to work for a family. So um, I, I was looking for about a month for a Subaru and just didn't come across anything. And my mom had this mini that she bought new. It's a 2010 Clubman S uh, with 40,000 miles on it. And she wanted to sell it. And it was about the same price that I was uh, looking for a Subaru. For, and so I ended up just buying it to help her out. Um, and I just wasn't going to find a Subaru any reasonable time. So I bought the Mini and I've been really happy with it. I mean, it's a neat car. Um, it's not a four door. I mean, it's got the little third club door, but it's easy enough for the kids to get in and out of the they're, back. Of it, so. uh, they're interesting to drive. I had an opportunity to uh, to bid on one um, 
the credit union was was selling it. Mm-hmm. And I put a bid in. I was going to buy it for Beth. I think they're. I, I think the minis are, are interesting cars. They're not necessarily my first choice. Yeah. In any of the categories, they um. And that's for me personally. It's not my personal first choice in any of the categories they compete in. But it's like something like your friend buys it, and you're like, "Oh, nice. That's pretty cool." Yeah. Um, I will say that they ride awfully rough. Um, and and I don't even feel like they need to ride that rough. I get that they're attempting to be a sporty car, but I'm pretty certain that my wife's Honda Accord would outperform it in every way. And it doesn't ride half as rough as that car. I don't so. know. It, it would, it would, you'd have to see it's it, it, just, a, okay. Yeah. I just remembered I'm on a motorcycle podcast, not a car <laughs> podcast. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Garrett though, you did remind me of something. Yeah. So a story I've never told anybody because it's kind of a, it's kind of embarrassing, but it's like, <laughs> you know, the weird little Wait a minute, things. If it's something that you consider <laughs> like embarrassing, I know stories you shared in the past. This is, this is, Ooh, is, yeah. <laughs> is this appropriate? <laughs> no, this is appropriate. Already, you're this the is one appropriate. I don't want to upset. So, so there was the one guy, the Scarlet E. there's one guy who had apparently never heard of me. So he's not aware of my exploits on other podcasts. And I think I, I let one F-bomb slip out the last time I was on. And I just picture him as like the mid-50s high-vis guy on a BMW touring mm-hmm. bike. Got super mad on Hooniverse. So I'm like, I'm not going to swear today. I, I have two. I have the little angel on my shoulder and the little devil on my shoulder. And the little angel saying, don't swear. Don't mess up Pete's podcast. And the little devil is going... You need to start the podcast by saying real effing happy to be here, Pete. Do you know which <laughs> well, direction it took? Well, we we already have for perpetuity the iTunes Scarlet E for explicit content that we can never, ever get rid of. I clicked because it one time not knowing that once you click that, you are for, your feed is forever branded with the biggie. So I feel like I have to bring good content now. I have to make it worth your while <laughs> to have me ruin your podcast. So I do have good content for later in the episode. I have some some interesting stuff. Um, but what I've never told anybody is that one of the things that's got me into motorcycles, I always wanted to ride a motorcycle. I always had, you know, family members, brother-in-laws. I think Peter, we talked about the brother-in-law bike. Like a Harley Sportster or a Dyna is like the quote unquote brother-in-law bike. Like everybody has a brother-in-law that rides a Harley Sportster or a Dyna, maybe a soft tail. Um, yeah, but, but that's a generational thing because that wasn't true when I was growing up. That's true. I grew up in the rich urban biker era. So like the, the yuppie Harley era. Yeah. I grew up in the AMF era when nobody wanted them and all your brother-in-laws had um, Eric, you're around my age. What a uh, uh, DT four hundred or a uh, mm, lot of lot of CB CB five fifties, Nighthawks, CB three sixties. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say like older friends of mine that would have dated older versions of my sisters that I know all have Nighthawks in the garage. <laughs> I don't know if that's an Ohio thing or not, but I have like two or three friends that between them have like. 20 of the uh, the Nighthawk S's, the shaft drive Nighthawks, just sitting well, in their garage. But what got me in the – what, like, made me finally take the plunge and say, I'm going to ride a bike. I'm going to learn to ride a bike this year. I was binge-watching Portlandia. Yeah. And when that theme song by Washed Out comes on, um, and there's that real quick shot of the couple going stoplight to stoplight riding through the city on a motorcycle in all of their gear. I thought that was really cool, and I'm like – 
it'd be really cool just to have a motorcycle to just just ride through town on and do other stuff. And then that evolved into what has now become me using a motorcycle as like a regular regular piece of my uh, transportation repertoire, as it were. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, what's your rear wheel situation? You were shopping for a, a solid disc rear wheel for it. Yeah. So you talked me into it, Pete. So what good, I've got to do good. is I've either got to cool. get, no, it's, it's a great plan. So you've actually, I've found going from cars to motorcycles, a motorcycle is just a beautiful interconnected mass of while you're in there. So a simple respray has now become while I'm in there. The entire bike. <laughs> Be, because motorcycles have the the totally false illusion that everything just bolts together and can unbolt just as easily. Not like a car, you know, you you bend up your rear quarter panel, you gotta weld a new one in, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that shock towers need to be welded. You don't have that same perception that it's just a bunch of little parts all bolted together. I can unbolt yeah. it and bolt it back together, no problem. And then you get in and you're like, oh, yeah, no, it's not that easy. But you always have that that illusion that keeps you going, oh, I'll just take this one bolt off. I'll just take that out. Yeah, yeah, I'll just this, remove This that. engine lifts out of the frame well, real easy. Well, I can say my 125 GP bike was kind of like that. I think I could strip it all the way down to a bare frame in about 90 minutes and put it back together in about the same amount of time. Well, I, one of the things I got for Christmas was a new, uh, crimper and a whole box of glue filled heat shrink, butt connectors because the wiring on the CB 120 or the CL 125 is just in such bad shape. I've decided that there's just going to have to be a whole lot of rewiring going on. And that's the kind of stuff that yes. sounds easy and becomes so tedious and so time consuming. But anyways, we've gotten away from your sportster. So yes, you're respraying it. I would like to get away from my sportster sometimes, but yes, I'm repainting it. Um, I'm repainting it. I'm going to, uh, put a new belt on because it desperately needs a belt. I'm excited, though, at the opportunity to go to tubeless tires. So I'm like, well, if I'm doing the solid wheel in the back, I obviously have to do the mag wheel in the front so I can go tubeless. And if I'm swapping the front wheel, I might as well go dual disc. And if I've got dual discs, then I might as well, you know, I guess I should put a tachometer on it because then if I'm getting <laughs> serious about, quote unquote, serious about Sportster performance, which, I mean, <laughs> take that as you will. Well, then you got to put stainless, nothing, you got to put you got to put braided line sta stainless steel braided yeah, lines for your brake lines, lines, and don't forget the tasseled uh, hand grips and all <laughs> that. Tasseled too. hand grips, maybe yeah. on the well. Don't forget that because had a tasseled seat on it. You're not a true uh, Harley enthusiast until you have tassels. That's true. That's true. I um I try to stay away from being a true Harley enthusiast as much as possible. <laughs> more of a Me general too. motorcycle <laughs> enthusiast, but. Um, I, I mean, I do like this bike. I understand it's a, it's a, it's a POS as far as when you compare it to yeah. other motorcycles and it's class, but it's so much fun. It's just, it's a very different sort of, sort of fun. I thought about your Sportster over, uh, Christmas break. Uh, I'm sorry about that. We, we went out and we saw the movie <laughs> Passengers, uh, the, the sci-fi, uh, I can't think of the two stars in it, but, uh, uh, got horrible, horrible reviews. All the, all the uh, movie critics just 
ripped it apart. If it's a sci-fi movie with terrible reviews, I'm pulling out my phone and putting it on a list right now to watch. You said that's Passenger? <laughs> it, Passengers. Passengers. It, it's, it's, uh, what's their name from the Hunger Games? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence and, uh, the guy from Chris Guardians Pratt. of the Galaxy. Chris Pratt. Yeah. I loved the movie. Thought it was great. It, it, yeah, there, there are a couple little plot holes and, but you just go with it. And I've realized people who watch movies all day, every day, that's all that's left for them to do is to pick apart what's wrong with a movie. Mm -hmm. And I think people can do that with motorcycles, too. Your Sportster, by every definition, is not uh, the state of the art going to be put into uh, museums 200 years from now as being the pinnacle of... 20th and 21st century motorcycle with the even even today even even current sportsters i would say with the exception of the roadster there's nothing in that lineup that's competitive with anything else in that class but the thing is is that if you're shopping for a sportster you have a lot of choices of and the sportster is all you're going to consider you have a lot of choices of really cool sportsters like i really want to try a 72 this year even though i know that it's not anything i'd want to live with it's just a cool looking bike right so my my thinking, what, reflecting on how badly this movie was sliced and diced in the press, and how much I enjoyed it, I thought, you know what? Yeah, I can see some of some people just said it's bad and they didn't give any criteria. Some people brought up some really good points that it wasn't a good movie because of this and this and this. And I'm like, I don't care. I still enjoyed the movie. Sportsters are one of those things that people can come up with all the reasons, especially a solid mount sportster that vibrates like crazy. There's all kinds of reasons why you can come up with why it's not the best motorcycle out there or even a terribly good one. But you can also say, you know what? I don't care. I like it. I'm having a good time with it. Therefore, it's good for what I want. And I, I, I made that connection in my head. Between I like that. I really, really like that. I uh, I have said on Cleveland Moto that uh, I own the two worst motorcycles that I rode last year between the Sportster and the RX-50. So out of all the motorcycles that I rode, all the different ones, the Sportster is probably the worst motorcycle I've ever ridden. But I had the opportunity to trade it in on what I consider one of the best motorcycles out there. I got I had an opportunity to trade it in on a Ducati Scrambler. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, don't take my Sportster away. I want to keep it. <laughs> I can't get rid of it. Like, yeah. I will miss the Sportster when I get rid of it. It's like when I bought my um, air-cooled 911. People can make their jokes about 944s, but they're phenomenal cars. And I missed my 944 on the drive back home from Grand Rapids. I mean, almost immediately I was like, man, I wish I could have kept both. So it's a neat bike. I think uh, I'm going to be really happy with it when it's done. Um, I'm going to want to have other bikes in the stable, but as long as it's not my only motorcycle for an extended period of time, I think I'm going to continue to be relatively happy with it. So yeah, I'm trying to seek out an 2000 to 2002 fat boy wheel or a 2000 to 2003 solid mount or solid sportster wheel. Cause that's the same thing. So you find a lot of anniversary bikes, the 2003 anniversary bikes, which as far as Harley anniversary schemes go, I think that's the prettiest one for what it's worth. Mm. Um, a lot of those came with solid rear wheels. And curiously enough, 21-inch spoked front wheels. 
Yes, I don't understand yes, the how yes. or why of how Harley <laughs> does anything. At least I have the 19-inch wheel on mine, so at least mine's kind of sporty. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm excited to get the new bars on, get it painted, get the fender chopped up a little bit, um, get the new seat on, just do all kinds of things. Um, and I'm excited to get, get back on it riding next year, um, at least until I can get something else. I was talking to a guy today who had a 93 TW200 in parts that he had disassembled the engine of and didn't put back together and didn't have a title. And I was trying to trade him the RX 50 for it. Then I got the VIN number and ran it and found out that the title does belong to somebody and it's a salvage title. So I said, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Cause at least mine, uh, the RX 50 has never been registered anywhere. I run the VIN, it doesn't show up and I've double triple checked it. I mean, I own the bike. I can just go look at it. So I believe the assumption is true that the bike has just never been registered because it's <laughs> 49 CCs. There's a small part of me that wants to keep the RX 50 and, uh, and put like, uh, like lower handlebars on it, like, uh, clubman bars or something or clip-ons. Oh, what you need to do is do a replica of, are you familiar with the Mamba bike? Uh, no, but I've got a cell phone with all the yeah. world's information at my uh, fingertips. Look up the Mamba Kawasaki. Let me see. All right. I- Yes. The Mamba Kawasaki was a KZ 550 LTD that they, uh, tried to make a race bike out of in a weekend. Uh, Nick Inotch and a bunch of other people, or Mitch Bohm, uh, Mitch Bohm and a bunch of other people got together and they had like 20 people working on this thing frantically. They bought it at a, I think it was the Mid Ohio swap meet and tried to race nice. it that same weekend. But it's, I want to build a replica of it because they put like, uh, three spoke wheels and big brakes and that's, that's really kind of sexy. That's the, yeah, that's if I, if I had that. a cruiser, I would not try to do what people routinely do, which is try to make it look like a cafe racer and fail. I would want to do the, the Uber cruiser look that they did on the Mamba. What's that? Um, so I graduated from high school in 2007. There is a retro Kawasaki that was out around that time. It was it was kind of like an, a shade of Kawasaki green. I think I just found it. ZXR uh, 1100. ZXR 1200R, yeah, or 1100, yeah. Yeah, the Eddie Lawson replica. Yeah, that was around for about a decade. What are uh, what well, are those well, like was, to ride? There's the original Kawasaki, the the real. Eddie Lawson replica, and then there's just from the, the 80s, green, yeah. the green standard, two thousand yeah. something. Uh, they're they're yeah. nice bikes. They're they're heavy, but yeah, they're nice. They're, they're a how whole heavy is lot how heavy is heavy? Five fifty. Oh, okay, that's what my sportster. My sportster is five thirty. Well, so did the you say they're is, expensive? They no, feel, they feel top heavy. It's not just Ooh. the weight; it's that they feel like you're riding a brick, but it's. A really fast, reliable, fairly entertaining brick. <laughs> okay, I, I kind of want to. I like. I've always wanted to try one. Like back in high school, before the retro bike thing was huge, I saw those and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world that you could go out and buy a bike brand new that looked like that. And I really, really want to try one. I don't even know what a good used one goes for, but that thought just entered my head literally thirty seconds ago as we were, as you mentioned that three, four grand, I think, uh, for one of those. There is a guy in Kansas City who has a tea bucket powered by that engine. 
That's really cool. Mounted it transversely, and where the sprocket was is a bolt-on drive shaft adapter right on the the output shaft that goes back to the transmission. So there's no reverse Mm. on it and everything, and it's just a lightweight fiberglass shell. And it's, it's a fairly, inter- I've seen it at a couple of car shows and it's, it's fairly entertaining. He claims it's as much more performance than it does. I mean, cause. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's my like beef putting, with it's, kit it's cars. Like, it's when I see people who build kit cars, they always way overstate the capabilities of it. It's like, no, this is a, this is a TBI 305 that you pulled out of like an old, like city pickup that you bought at an auction. It's like 180 horse. It's, it's like cool because your car weighs twenty one hundred pounds, but it's it's not four hundred horse. Every third gen Camaro ever has five hundred and fifty horsepower. That's like right, even yeah. with the original three hundred five in, it's like no matter if it's a third gen Camaro, it's got five hundred horsepower. If you're asking the owner, oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Total panty dropper as they're referred right? to by their owners. It's <laughs> still got yeah. the louvers on it too. Still got the louvers. Still has the Night Ranger cassette stuck in the Kenwood. <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. That, that being said. I still want a Bradley GT with oh, just yeah. the Volkswagen motor in it because I thought you were going to say a, uh, a Trans Am GTA and I was going to raise my hand very sheepishly and go, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I always liked the Camaro better than the Trans Am. I, I'm normally a big fan of flip up headlights, but the, the third gen Camaro was okay we should talk about motorcycles we should we should so um hey uh i bought a helmet and i want to talk to you guys about helmets because last time i was on you gave me a lot of uh, a lot of guff about my helmet and uh you i was okay figured with my out helmet. it sucked no i was i was here's the thing guys i was perfectly comfortable in it riding back and forth to work it uh it had good ventilation because the bubble shield didn't seal very well <laughs> <laughs> so um, it had plenty of ventilation and it didn't I didn't have problems with fogging. It's like due to the due to it being a crappy design, it just by chance works really well. It's kind of a third gen Camaro or Fox Body Mustang <laughs> of helmets. It's like for whatever reason, this is way better at what it does than it has any right to. But I realize riding with friends, I want to be able to flip up my helmet and say, hey, Ducati guys. I'm on a Harley Sportster with terrible ergonomics, and I'm kind of inexperienced, so let's go a little bit slower, please. Because <laughs> I still haven't swapped the bars yet. Because, again, while you're in there, while I'm swapping the bars, I might as well, and then I have to buy another 500 bucks worth of parts. Um, so I wanted a helmet with a flip-up visor. And when I mentioned that I had a Biltwell Gringo to my two friends who are Ducati owners, they go into the, they launch into the diatribe. And it's the guys from Clutch Kick Podcast. They launch into the diatribe that everybody who has a Ducati and has money to spend on a five or $600 helmet does. And that's where they justify to themselves through yelling at you why they spent 500 bucks on a helmet. That being said, I went out and got myself a Snell. I test, I tried a couple of them on and I found myself a Snell approved Snell 2010, but it's better than the Biltwell, uh, an HJC CL 17. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, Which is weird because everybody says that's a helmet that's built for people with round heads and it's kind of shaped like that. But it was really comfortable on my head and I don't have a very round head. If you're looking at me, I was a C-section baby. I have a <laughs> you can kind of tell. You're, you're you, the intermediate. You remind me a lot of oval. <laughs> yeah. You remind me a lot of a Thermion from uh, from uh, Galaxy Quest. My people have no commander. 
I don't know how I should take that. <laughs> Pulling up the phone again. <laughs> I have not watched that movie in a very long time. Pete over here talking S. Oh, I, I, talking I bad watched S. It, the, it is my favorite movie ever. I've watched it a million times, and it was on cable the other night, and I watched it again, and I still laugh at some of those scenes. They, they look like very sad cephalopods. <laughs> Are you saying I look like a sad cephalopod? Yeah, the helmet fits where it. So, yeah, helmets, I feel like that's a difficult conversation to have with people because everybody has an opinion on what a better helmet brand is, but everybody's head fits in a helmet differently. And, you know, first and foremost, protection is number one. So if it meets all the modern safety criteria, then that's great. Some are lighter than others. Some aren't. I mean, it's just where, it's so where are difficult. you on the dot Snell ECE debate? If it's a full face helmet that's one to three years old mm-hmm. and it's dot approved, but it's not Snell or ECE approved. Are you of the opinion that like that's garbage? You might as well not be wearing a helmet at all, because that's what I was told. No, something I is better than way. nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, th- I think they were trying to be edgy for the sake of conversation. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I personally watched my friend go headfirst into a concrete wall at 45 miles an hour on his motorcycle, fractured his skull. Um, But the helmet did a huge amount to help protect his head. Um, And it wasn't like the most amazing helmet you could buy. Um, But, you know, in, in other circumstances, I think he probably would have lost his life, uh, you know, in that crash. And so, um, the helmet absolutely did its job to protect his head. Um, and, and, you know, so in seeing that, I, I think so long as you have a, a modern helmet that you're not wearing if it has been in a crash or been mm-hmm. damaged or anything like that. And, you know, they should be rotated out every several years. Maybe not every year, but, you know, a five 10-year-old years, five, helmet five you probably seven, should replace. Five to seven years is kind of exactly. a rule of thumb because of the yeah. EPS break starts to break down and, yeah. I mean, I've I've crashed enough times on the street or in racing, and I've crashed in good helmets, and I've crashed in the not as good of helmets. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you know, each crash is different, so it's hard to say. But I would rather, it, as tough as a nut it is, as it is to to throw away a five hundred dollar helmet, mm-hmm. um, I think I'd rather throw away a five hundred dollar helmet than you know be out of work for six months because I've got. Yeah you know, yeah. major head injuries. So, and, yeah. And I will say that I would rather buy a $200 helmet every two years than a $600 helmet every, you know, six years or something like that. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I feel like, especially like test trying on helmets and stuff when you have like your HJC and scorpions and, uh, scorpions are good helmets. So they're good yeah, value yeah. for money. And HJC has some good stuff. So I've, yeah, I, I it, it, used to, it used to be, it used to be years ago that when you looked at cheap helmets, either you had a choice of a polycarbonate helmet, which was awful and really, really susceptible to brittling within 12 months of when you bought it, or you got a fiberglass helmet that was safe, but just really, really heavy. Now, the polycarbonate and plastic composite helmets have gotten so much better and the the lower price manufacturers of the fiberglass ones have gotten so much better at manufacturing them. I don't think there's the huge disparity that there was 15 or 20 years ago in helmets. 
Yeah. I do notice like when you go to a really high end helmet, they're really light and it doesn't feel like you're wearing anything with the yep. cheaper helmet. I definitely notice the weight more, but like, again, I'm willing to put up with that because I know that I don't, I don't have showy money. I don't have area money, Yeah, but, but for, I for, can still buy something safe. That's got good ventilation that works for 200 to 250 bucks. You can get a, and, and a good brand name. So some of the HJC stuff at that is, is good. Scorpion, uh, is pretty decent at that price. Bell makes some good stuff in that price range. Um, obviously you're not going to get a rye or showy, um, shark. I think you can kind of get some in that range. So there's, there's good stuff to be had at that 200 to $250 price range. That's, it's not cutting edge, but you know, maybe it's a generation old of technology, but still good and, enough. And, and the thing to remember is that any helmet is going to, see you through the majority of accidents and no helmet is going to save you in every accident. So you're talking about the difference between something that's going to save you 65% of the time and something that's going to save you 69% of the time, you know, having something new that doesn't have compressed styrofoam in it is the most important thing. Yeah. So, and I can say that I have an Arai Quantum 2 helmet, but I also have a Scorpion. Uh, I don't know what model it is, but and I'll wear both of them, but I primarily wear the, the lesser expensive helmet. And it's comfortable. I'm confident that it's going to protect my head. It ventilates decently well. I can't tell you that the Arai was worth 300 more dollars than it, because I really don't think it is. Um it's 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 an amazing helmet, but I feel like it's my opinion that most modern and new helmets nowadays, they're just so much better than they were five or six years ago that, you know, the, the best helmet you could buy five years ago, um, a decent helmet now is probably just as good, if not better. Yeah. So right, right. Um, it, it's kind of funny you mentioned we mentioned the price of the, uh, the RI and the showy helmets. I was watching Akira with a friend of mine. Um, cause that's like, that's my favorite motorcycle movie, even though it's not really a motorcycle movie. And, uh, on that iconic red futuristic Kaneda bike, there's actually on the front wheel disc housing thing. There's a showy sticker, but you never see him wear a helmet. I joked with my friend that if you saw how they fought the clowns and stuff, he was worried about something happening to the helmet cause he probably couldn't afford to replace it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably had the helmet at home. It's probably really cool. Future yeah. Tokyo sh- like can you imagine what a showy helmet from the future is going to look like? It's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, maybe he was wearing it and it was just so light that you know, it it you couldn't even see it. It was invisible. Yeah. It was actually two dimensional. It was so thin, you know, but it still protected him. So I write for HD forums. I write for a lot of websites, but I get to do some a little bit of motorcycle journalism. Um I get to write for Harley Davidson forums. And I mentioned that the demographic of Harley riders is changing. And one of the things I brought up is that I don't love easy rider and Steppenwolf nearly as much as I love Akira and justice. Cause justice has a new song out about flat track racing. So I'm like, the demographics are changing. A Harley riders a little bit different now than he or she was 15 years ago. What so, is that Eric? So I had to run downstairs into the, into my workshop. So this is my, right. This was the first good helmet I bought. It was an Arai. But I had custom painted, but this was back in, when did I have this done? 98 or 99. Um, so it's a custom, custom font and, um, there sort of cool. trying to go, tried to go for like art deco and kind of some stuff in here and a little industrial on the top. 
Um, so I decided to go racing with it. And then, of course, no one on the pot, no one listening to this can see, but uh, you can see right where the signature is. Um, yeah. Had had a bit of an off, <laughs> had a bit of an off there and slammed yeah. my head down pretty hard. Uh, ended up with a one of my well, that one was a relatively mild concussion, but I've had a few. So, anyways, but yeah, so but yeah, four hundred dollar helmet, three hundred dollar custom job, three. Yeah, I think so. So this is back in the late late nineties, so it was good Oof. chunk of money. But um, but yeah. I will tell you what, this Arai helmet uh, is probably one of the most comfortable helmets that I've ever had, and. Obviously, there's no way in hell I can wear it anymore, being that old and having been down yeah, in a crash. Well, the, the cool thing about Arise, and I don't know if they did it back then, but they do now, um, you can buy all of the pads in any size that you want in increments of just a few millimeters. And so you can really fit the helmet to your head, which I really like about Arise. Um, you can kind of like, if you're in between sizes, you can build it to fit exactly the way that you want yeah. it. Right. Yep. So do you guys keep your old helmets around as display pieces? I do, yeah. yeah. Um, Most of them. I would point my my webcam up, but I don't have a long enough cord. But I have shelves above my desk, and so I keep all of my helmets up above here. But um, next time we're on, I'll show – I've got a couple of custom-painted Arias, too, that I'll show off. That's so. cool. That's I, really uh, cool. I have one old helmet that uh, was the one I'm, I road raced in, and I've kept that one. Uh, all the rest of them I've gotten rid of. Uh, the interesting thing is I had, and I've told the story before, you may have heard it, uh, I had a Simpson Bandit. It wasn't even one of the good Simpsons. It I was love a helm- Simpson helmets. <laughs> it was a Helm Tech when they, they licensed out the Simpson name for motorcycle. You know, they were making enough money in the auto side of things. They licensed out the Bandit design for motorcycles to Helm Tech, which was this really crappy Canadian company. And when they closed it out in like 88 or 89, I was working at a dealership and I think it was Tucker Rocky closed them out at like 40% of retail price. So I picked one up and I was able to buy it at dealer price. So I got it for 40% of dealer price. And I, and <laughs> oh, I wrote, and I wrote it for rode with it for like a year and a half and ended up getting another helmet and never, I had the, tinted shield for it i had i had a replacement shield and a tinted shield still in the wrapper i had an extra pivot kit for the for the shield and there was not a spot on it i had never even really sweat in it it was just perfect and i put it out on ebay and i think i started i was like oh, i think i can get a hundred bucks for this so i started bidding at a hundred bucks and i think i had like 185 is the buy it now Somebody started bidding on it, and so the buy it now went away. Somebody from Japan ended up paying me three hundred and twenty five dollars for it. Yeah. <laughs> and this and this was only a couple years ago. This this was probably four or five years ago. And uh they paid me I think I paid like eighty nine dollars for this thing, brand new. And I got 325 and he had to pay like a hundred dollars to ship it to Japan. I was like, buddy. Wow. Yeah. Hey. I wonder why you wanted it that bad. I think, I think I paid $74 plus like 12 bucks shipping for this HJC. Cause it was actually marked down to 75 bucks at the dealership I was at. I'm like, what's wrong with it? And I read reviews and the reviews are great. They're just replacing it with a newer model. Yeah. And it's like the, the ventilation uh, on it was really good. It got a fan. It was a HJC CL 17 and it's like black with, uh, kind of light blue and orange, so like golf racing colors. And since I'm a Porsche guy, that, of course, resonated with me. 
And uh, yeah, I um, snapped it up. It used to be called something else, and um, it's called motorcycle closeouts now. And there's they're really good for finding stuff that's getting get, it's all quality stuff, uh, name brand stuff. But I it's, think it's that's good. where I bought it, Eric. I there, think that's just where I happened to find it. Motorcyclecloseouts.com is actually uh, about a uh, 40 minute drive from me. They're up in uh, Liberty, right. Missouri, and I buy all of my stuff there. Smith, Smithville, Missouri. I, just get, a picture. Smithville, yeah. I just get a picture of Peter wearing my helmet before it gets sent to me. <laughs> 169 <laughs> Highway and Northeast Armory Road, just two miles north of I-435. Yep, up, up by the airport. Well, so they, the airport. Do they sell online, or is it yes. just like Oh, no, they, they sell store? online. They have a retail store, but they do most of their business online. Okay. It used uh, to be... Didn't it used to be called something else, or did they buy someone else that I'm remembering uh, a couple of years ago? Uh, they, I believe, are a are, are part of Letco Competition Cycles. Okay, I believe they're owned by the same people that own Letco. Gotcha. Uh, uh, hey, I'm going to change the subject. It's do it's it. Game, it's game time. We're going to have a little game show here, right. and you are my three contestants. Kind of okay, a prices price right kind of thing. This is a, a little game that I'm going to call What's the Ask? I'm going to have to put some reverb with that when I, when I put this in. <laughs> my, uh, by the way, my New Year's resolution is to edit less and not be so obsessive about editing out every um, er, and pregnant pause. Yeah, okay. I say just don't even edit at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that... Garrett's making complete sentences now. Okay. Ten questions. Cam, since you are our guest, you will go first on the first questions. This is going to be right. like the Price is Right closest without going over wins. And the first one is a Craigslist ad. Uh, just put up the picture in the uh, right. Skype chat. This is a Craigslist ad from Imperial County, California, which I looked up, and it's like uh, somewhere east of Palm Springs out in the desert of California. 1974 Norton Interstate. And the ad reads, this is a 1974 Norton Interstate 850 Commando, the last year for the Kickstart-only model. It has never been restored, so she shows the patina of a 42-year-old motorcycle. She is no trailer queen, but a good-running, reliable bike with a lot of practical rider-friendly upgrades. Upgrades include a larger front disc with Brembo caliper, Magura lever levers, and a master cylinder. Rear disc sourced from a 75 model, Boyer ignition, single Makuni carb with K&N filter, bar risers, modern switch gear, and Dunstall style exhaust. Recent maintenance includes new tires, new chain, new clutch hub, fresh top end within the last thousand miles which includes new rings, valves, guides, cam buildup, regrind, and hard face performed by Johnson Cams in Washington. The body is bodywork is fiberglass, and the tank has been sealed with Caswell tank sealer. I have a clear Oregon title. May consider interesting part trade. Odometer is 26,000 miles. What's the ask? I'm going to say, I'm going to make a fool of myself here, I think. I'm going to say 5,500. Okay. Eric, what's the ask? Eight thousand. Garrett. Uh forty nine hundred. The uh ask is fifty eight hundred. Cam almost oh. nailed it, and <laughs> you get one point 
for I probably oh. would have increased my uh my guess a little bit, except for the yellow zip ties. No self-respecting <laughs> person with yellow zip ties on their handlebars. I'm, I'm with Garrett. I'm I'm with Garrett on this one. I get really, really like obsessive when I'm building computers or RC cars or doing wiring with anything. Hey, you're into RC like cars. The zip tie. Oh man, we have to do another podcast sometime. <laughs> yes, we are going to have to. Just behind me, there's. You know, I was thinking we should just have a whole different podcast for when we want to talk about stuff that doesn't fit into any of these. We need to have like an Atomic Toasters podcast for all the stuff. Like, uh, I know Eric is a competitive shooter and uh, the three of us all own guns. So it was like, if we want to have a gun co- or RC car, we just need to have like. This other podcast, which is for anybody that wants We to should call it Flying movie. Toasters, like the old yeah. uh, screensaver. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we just have, have a totally random, whenever we want to do something different podcast. As an aside, the, uh, the 2005 ZRX that you sent me with the, uh, the Kirker pipe on it is a gorgeous bike. It's a little, little spendy, but it's gorgeous. Oh. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> a cool bike. <sighs> okay. Quest- question right, two. Sorry. Craigslist ad in Bloomington, Indiana. It reads 1968 all original, 1,302 miles. Runs excellent and it has been garage kept. Title in hand, $4,200. Is this an ad for A, a 1968 Harley Davidson Aramaki Rapido 125? B, 68 Yamaha Big Bear 250 Scrambler? C, a 1968 Triumph Tiger Cub or 68 Honda CL450 Scrambler? Which one of those four? Where did you say it was and what was the price again? It's in Bloomington, Indiana. And the ad reads, 1968, all original, 1,302 miles, runs excellent and has been garage kept. Title in hand, $4,200. I am going to guess B, the Yamaha. Eric? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, I'll go D. I'm going to go with C. Oh, all different. Okay. You it's are probably the Aramachi. You are all wrong. Yeah. It is the Aramaki, which is the only one of those <laughs> th- four I would not pay $4,200. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, being in, being in the middle of Indiana, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's the Aramaki because... Someone liked Harley Davidson's and they, uh, no, can't be that. So I overthought it. (laughs) Okay. Question three. eBay, buy it now for a 1999 Suzuki Hayabusa with 14,000 miles in Lincoln, Massachusetts. Now the 99 doesn't have the top speed limiter. So that makes it more desirable, right? This is the unrestricted in his ad. He says the unrestricted. Uh, yeah. Speed King or whatever, something like that. Uh, in a heated garage on battery tender for a couple of years, never seen rain, simply out of this phase of my life. Full Acropovic stainless steel exhaust system, PC3 with radical map currently programmed, Brock clutch kit and clutch cushion upgrade, new pilot sports, full synthetic fluids every 4,000 miles from day one, adult owned, never raced, dropped or molested, Never raced, drop from the list. 
not looking to let it go on the cheap fellas, low ballers, will be ignored, will assist buyer with shipping from 01773. Get this, have stock seat and sissy bar. Tossed. What? <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's, when got... it's because he doesn't have that speed limiter on it. You need to have that, that sissy bar uh, to toss downforce. The, toss the stock exhaust out. Note, Akropovic is a full stainless header paid over $1,300. And just to give you, uh, this may affect how you guess, it does have a best offer option on the buy it now. What's the ask? Uh, Eric, we'll let you take this one first. I'm going to, I'm going to say, yeah, this is way too low. $3,800. Okay. Garrett. Uh, I feel like this one, uh, he'd probably be asking 4750. Yeah. Okay. Off what I was originally. I'm going to go high. If he's doing best offer, I'm going to say he's asking like seven grand as the asking price. Then we'll take a best offer. So I'm going to say seven grand. You nailed it on the money. Seven grand. Good Lord. So Cam has wow. two. Eric and Garrett are goose eggs at this point. <laughs> what do I win if I win? Do I win a better motorcycle if I win? That's because um, I'm going to play a lot harder. You win. <laughs> you win my Horner Hot Metal Harmonica. Oh, that's actually a really good prize. That's a good harmonica. Yes, they are. I'm not going to take that from you, but I appreciate the gesture. But I'm going to put it entirely win. in my mouth the way Murr did on uh, the other night on uh, Impractical Jokers. <laughs> he put it in his mouth and he gave it to another <laughs> guy and said, here, do this. And then I'm, I put it all the way in his mouth. So anyways, I'm so just slightly disgusted about how much that guy wants for his Hayabusa. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little offended by that price. <laughs> I, think it's the, I think it's my Midwestern sensibility of trying to buy cars or motorcycles and being greeted with, I know what I have. No low ballers. Well, as soon as it, they it, say no low ballers, you know the guy's totally unrealistic. Again, you have to remember totally I bought said. a Sportster, so I know what the Sportster market is like, and I bought <laughs> the only one that was priced at Blue Book value, which by Sportster standards is a screaming deal. <laughs> yes. If that motorcycle had 2,000 miles on it or 1,500 miles on it, then I I might see that price, but not 14 or 10,000 miles. Clutch kit. Okay, question four. Here we go. We're going to talk about parts this time. eBay buy it now. Moto Guzzi V65 cylinder heads from San Francisco, California. All the ad says is good set of cylinder heads for Guzzi V65 worked fine when removed. <laughs> and, it, and it did have a best offer option. What is the buy it now? And uh, Garrett, you go to, to go first this time. $500. Uh, Cam. $1,000. Eric. And remember, Three. this is closest without going over. $350. Uh, you are all over. $249.99. Damn. Wow. Wow. That's, that's pretty good. Does damn count as a swear? I just did it again. Ab- absolutely not. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> if you can say it on the evening news in an interview, then it's not uh, it's not explicit. I think I said ass earlier, but I hear that on the radio on pop songs, so I feel like that's you were okay. referring to a donkey. There we go. Yeah, uh, like my Harley Sportster is like riding an ass 
in a sea of uh cocks meaning roosters uh, yes okay i was gonna say faster <laughs> i was gonna say really nice horses but yeah there we go okay uh, uh question five what is the cost of shipping those v65 goozy heads it's a flat rate throughout the country uh we are back to cam to start 99 dollars. okay uh eric 45 and garrett uh 27 dollars. you were so close 25 dollars Oh, but so nobody over. gets points on that one. So we're still at Cam with two, Eric zero, Garrett zero. Okay, uh, next question six. Craigslist ad in Chicago, 74 Suzuki T500. Beautiful burnt orange 74 Suzuki T500 with only 10,108 miles. Original parts, one owner, garage kept, runs great, title status clean. What's the ask? And where you go to uh, Eric first? $2,500. Garrett? The Titan 500. Remember, I had a Rebel 350. Little brother to this. Yes. Um, I'm going to go 3,200. And Cam. I'm going to go in the middle and say, uh, no, you know what? I'm going to say 3,500. I'm going to go over Garrett. Uh, you get another point. The ask is 47.99. What? <laughs> I only want one of them. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> That's a seriously cool, like underappreciated middleweight seventies bike. What's cool not about it a, though not is underappreciated the by this guy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know, hipsters in in across America, you know, millennial hipsters like myself across America haven't ruined them with half baked cafe racer conversions. You can probably still find a few in this condition. Yeah, they, they are they're very cool bikes. Uh, only ridden one this. once. Uh, I had a GT two fifty, a nineteen seventy four GT two fifty that was. Uh, not the best handling bike, but still a whole lot of fun. I don't like the shape of the tank, but I like it in context with the shape of the oil tank, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, if it did, if the oil tank wasn't shaped that way, that would be a really ugly bike. <laughs> it just ties it all. It's the, it's, the, uh, it's the rug that ties the room together that is this motorcycle. Yes. Okay, question seven. There's no photo for this one. What is the cost of having a new vintage reproduction gas tank shipped from India. I averaged the cost of, quote, expedited shipping from outside the United States for five eBay listings for brand new repop fuel tanks, which are made, there is there is a major industry in India making steel and alloy reproduction tanks. I found five that did not include free shipping in the purchase price. Uh, it doesn't make any difference what they were, but it was uh, a Benelli Mojave, Triumph T160, 1929 Indian Scout 101, 1929 Harley-Davidson Model JDH, and a matchless G3L trial tank. Those were the five that I had. What is the average cost of shipping? Not the total price, including shipping, just shipping itself. And I believe we're at Garrett. $70. Okay. 
<laughs> Garrett just saw me take a swing through Skype from across the country. Uh, I'll go 65. Okay. Cam? I'm going to say 74.95, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the average is $97.48. The Ooh. range was $79.99 to $127.40. So, Cameron gets um, another point. Cam gets, he's four, four. No, Garrett's going to take a swing at me. Yeah, no kidding. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> question eight. This is another photo question. eBay buy it now for new old stock Harley Sportster XL 900cc crankcase set from 1970. The ad reads, new old stock from dealer shelf, no VIN numbers on pad, no paperwork. Fits 1970 XL 900cc. Cases may fit other years slash models Sportster. Check your parts book. Ship to lower 48 states. No returns. What's the ask? And we're back to Cam. Okay, vintage NOS Harley. Not saying it's worth this much, but it is eBay and it's old Harley parts. I'm going to go a buck a CC, Peter, and I'm going to say 900 bucks. Okay. Eric. Okay, well, it makes my first guess feel a little better. Um, 1100 And Garrett. 750 the ask is $1,495.95. So well done, Eric. Eric gets his first point. I find it somehow appropriate that I was, that I lost the Harley question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question nine. This will tie back into what we were talking about earlier. What is the cost of the most expensive helmet? Cyclegear.com currently lists on their website and no Googling or looking this up on the internet before you answer. Uh, Eric. Well, I can guess the brand. That'll be Shoebrith. Um, Eleven ninety-five. Uh, Garrett. Eleven hundred. I'm going to say uh, twelve ninety-five. Uh, you're going to get your fifth point because it is fifteen nine ninety-five for AGV Pista GPR Carbon. They have three different models of it, and all of them list for sixteen hundred dollars minus a penny or minus does it, a nickel. Does they it all have a... replicas? Uh, one of them is. Does it have a? Does it have like an Xbox in it? <laughs> Can you like play Forza while you're riding? That's really unsafe. No, but so it better be a it, really safe helmet. It's got the HUD screen from uh, Time Rider. Have you seen Time Rider? We talked no, about I've, it on our movie show, but I don't. No, know. No, I, I watched that episode. I put it on my list and like watched whatever YouTube clips I could find of it. That's on my list. Shortly after, I found a copy of The Legend of Billie Jean. At a uh, at a, at one of the last remaining Kmart's in America. Okay. <laughs> we bought our dining room table, so I had to get that. And then I have to track down Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter because that's the only film appearance of the first uh, two wheeled thing uh, that was street legal that I ever owned, which was an '85 Honda Aero 80 in blue. Okay. Okay. Question ten. Which of these motorcycles has the lowest manufacturer suggested retail price? A, 2017 Harley-Davidson Dyna Wide Glide, and this is standard single paint, no flames. I don't even know if they have flames this year, but it's as pictured. B, 2017 Triumph Rocket 3 Roadster. 
C, the 2017 Kawasaki Vulcan 1700 Vaccaro ABS. Or D, the 2017 Honda VFR 1200XDCT. A, B, C, or D. And I believe we are at Garrett to start us out. Gosh, this is a tough one. The lowest lowest price? Lowest of those four, yes. Oh. I'm going to go with D. Okay. I'm going I'm to go with the Honda. Cam. I'm going to say A, because I think a Dyna is like 13 and a half. And Eric. <laughs> See, I'm going to have to edit this. This is going to drive me crazy. This is compelling radio. <laughs> tell us what you're thinking, Eric. And tell if I help if I take myself off of mute, right? I just had a, had a great, I just had a great conversation. I was like, man, he's really thinking this through. <laughs> I was doing a Cameron, right? I was having a 17 minute conversation to figure out the right answer. So, right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll go with, I'll go with B, the, because the Kawasaki is no way that Kawasaki is the cheapest one. The Kawasaki? No, I'm going with B, the Triumph, because the Kawasaki cannot be the cheapest oh, one. Yes. Okay. Uh, but I think are... it's the Harley is the one that's the cheapest one. Nope, you are correct. It is the Triumph Rocket Three Roadster is fifteen really? five. Wow. The Dino Dino Wide Glide is fifteen nine ninety nine. Ew. Ugh. The the VFR twelve hundred XDCT is sixteen three ninety nine, and the Vaccaro ABS is sixteen seven ninety nine. Just so. horrified by those prices. <laughs> I was horrified by the fact that the Dyna is not a thirteen and a half thousand dollar bike because that's you know that would be a decent bike at thirteen and a half grand. Yeah. No, I've ridden. I've ridden the Rocket. It's it's an interesting bike, um, but yeah, <laughs> I spent a day on one. It was it was interesting. I know What's two people who you... have either owned one or have had one. One one guy had it like six months and got rid of it. And the other guy claims it is the motorcycle he has always been waiting for and will drive the rest of his life. So hmm. what's the, uh, what's the one motorcycle you guys have spent like a, a day or less, but like a, substan- a sub- bleh, substantial amount of time on that you like adored riding. But like, and you were like, at the time you were like, man, I got to figure out what I can do to get a piece of this. But after the fact, you're like, I'm so glad I didn't, make an impulse buy and buy that motorcycle. Like what's the one bike that's like that for you? Kawasaki KZ 1300. Okay. Eric. I can't, uh, I don't know. Cause I rode this, I rode a, a, a street triple R and I absolutely still to this day, it was one of my favorite rides. Um, I considered a Buell X. What are the early Buells? Uh, Cause a friend of mine, Cyclone. I found, no, it was like the XB or something. I can't oh, remember. Well, the XB, like the 900 and 1200s are like the one that I had. Yeah, the, the early, or sorry, late, late 90s. Um, can't remember. Yeah. Oh, it was Two. a lightning. I'm sorry. I take that back. It was, it was a lightning. That's yeah. one oh, lightning. Yeah. That's yeah, one so lightning. Um, um, I, I don't know if I've ever ridden a motorcycle that I didn't end up buying. <laughs> So, I don't know if I can answer that question. (laughs) So, okay, we're in an hour and 11 minutes. So, we probably should wrap this up so I don't have to break this into two 
episodes like we did last yeah. time because I've already used Twin Cams as the as the title. So <laughs> I can't do that again. So, well, thank you for playing. And uh, the final score is Cam with five, Eric <laughs> with two, Garrett with zero. That's right. So, and if you're listening to this, tell me whether you found that excruciating or entertaining and whether we should do it again sometime. Other than that, uh, Cam, plug all your stuff. Okay, yeah. Uh, Hooniverse.com. We have Camden Tubbed episodes every Friday, every Tuesday. Um, also, check out some of what I've written on hdforums.com. I just wrote a really cool article that will hopefully be up by the time you read this about an auction at the end of the month where I got to write about Henderson's, which is one of my favorite old American motorcycle manufacturers, um, among other things. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically everything. I'm on Instagram, at Cam Vanderhorst. I always tweet pictures of cool cars and bikes and other stuff that I'm doing. And um, occasionally I use the Twitter, at DOH Cams, at Dual Overhead Cams. And, uh, yeah, that's us. Camden Tubbed on Facebook. Go like us. Go listen. Thank you. Guys, anything else other than our usual that you want to plug? Just follow us uh, if you if you don't already follow us on iTunes, uh, like us and on Facebook and Twitter at False Neutral. I have to say that we did get some comments from Facebook for the first time. I said, "Hey, tell us what you want us to cover." Got some suggestions through that. Those will be addressed on upcoming episodes. Thank you. We actually, I feel like a real podcast with listeners. Even I say one day we can do a longer show and break it up into two and have the question show and the regular show. That's that's honestly what we do at Camden Tubbed. We just re-record both of our episodes on one night, and uh, and then I edit them into two episodes. So, And uh, if we do a question show, I'm going to do it on Friday. I'm taking your day. <laughs> do it, yeah. You took, you took ours with your question. Well, here's the thing. Because we went to shorter episodes, the people that were used to 90-minute Camden Tubbed episodes are now getting 40, 50 60-minute Camden Tubbed episodes. They need to fill up that extra time in their day <laughs> with false neutral. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to do it. I find your podcast edifying and entertaining. <laughs> it's a nice little soundbite for you to isolate. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that in the quotes like they do with, you know, movie reviews where they put them on the posters. <laughs> they um, found the one newspaper in the middle of Iowa that didn't think the movie was a steaming pile of garbage, <laughs> and that goes on the DVD box. Especially right. when they have, like, one word, like, entertaining, and the sentence was, it wasn't very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have to say that uh, SmackDab, the SmackDab group on Facebook has exploded a whole – somebody posted a link to that group on another group, and it went from there. And we now have like 70, 80, 85 members of the group now, and a whole bunch of people that said they're going to do it. So uh, I still have a interesting little – possible announcement about it this year that I, because of corporate industry things, cannot reveal yet, but uh, that will be very exciting. So uh, if you haven't already gone to uh, smackdab281.org to look at the SmackDab website or go to the SmackDab Motorcycle Run Facebook group, uh, find out what that's all about, and uh, you can do... Two-thirds of a Saddlesaur 1000 on the summer solstice in the middle of the country. And, I really, uh, really want to do that one of these years, whether it's this year or or next year or something. When I have well, a bike that is more well-suited to long-distance traveling without uh, beating up my prostate, I will definitely. 
Definitely what if take I, you up what, on that. What if I can provide you with a bike to do the ride? Yeah, yeah, I would love okay. to. Okay, there, there, there may be a possibility of that that I could Ooh. steer your way. So can't talk any more about that though. Okay, well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Cam, for joining us, and I Thanks will for see everyone me. next week. So long. There you go.